Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Steelers rookie Pat Fryermuth helped the team solidify their tight end position, and by the end of the year, the Steelers had the best tight end group since Heath Miller retired. In 2022, can this young group of tight ends be the strength of the Pittsburgh Steelers' offense? I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. You're listening to The Cutting Room Floor. Pat Fryermuth, Steelers' second-round pick last year. He came on the team and really brought a lot from the very beginning. He was the Steelers' most dynamic receiver, very quickly showed that he was going to be better than Eric Ebron as a receiver. He brought blocking. He brought a lot to the position. I want to real quick go over his stats uh, on the team. He was... Third, he was fourth in targets behind Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, and Najee Harris. Third in receptions. Third in yards. Second in touchdowns scored. In catch percentage, he was third. The people ahead of him, Najee Harris and Zach Gentry, the other tight end. Yards per target, he was a little lower. He got a lot of short receptions. Uh, He... 6.3 6.3 yards per target. Still better than the uh, the team yards per attempt. But Pat Fryermuth really showed up and became a significant part of the Steelers' offense in his first season. 
But I want to go farther than that. I want to, when we look at him against the, the rest of the league, it's really hard because he didn't play as much. He was in one of the least efficient passing offenses in the NFL. Even though they threw up a huge amount of volume, the yards per attempt were very low for the Pittsburgh Steelers last season. Ben Roethlisberger couldn't. He, he wasn't as good getting the ball down the field. Uh, the offensive line didn't give him time for plays to develop. It, it was a very limited passing offense that he was involved in, and yet a high-volume one. Uh, I had a post a little while back talking about the Pittsburgh receivers compared to the rest of the league where I used a metric that I developed over time. It's called, I call it MVR. It stands for most valuable receiver. The idea behind it is trying to find the most valuable receiver to his team. And the, the problem with doing that normally is when you look at statistics, the receivers with the best stats usually play for the best quarterbacks. They usually are a part of the best passing offense in the NFL, right? The receivers on Kansas City all put up great stats, but that doesn't mean they're the most valuable to their team, right? If the entire passing offense is great, there's more factors than just one receiver in that greatness. So my system, I I wanted to look for, you know, how much they contributed to the offense, how much their team relied on them, and what they were able to do when their team relied on them. So basically what I came up with is I I came up with several long processes incorporating all kinds of stats, all kinds of things. I whittled it down to one thing that I was really happy with. And then a few years later, this really complex system that involved a lot of numbers, a lot of different things being included into it. I started realizing as I retook a statistics class for, for a, I was back to school finishing a degree and uh, I, I realized I had things that were canceling each other out. I had things that were overlapping. And when I cleaned it up, and as I was working on cleaning up this formula, uh, I realized that that what I had was basically yards per team attempt, which is a statistic that a lot of uh, gamblers use, a lot of high-end betting team people use to look at offenses and and players. Uh, Fantasy owners will, will often look at this number because it tells you how much they produced by how much their team passed right? Yards per team attempt. If your team threw the ball 600 times, then your, you know, yardage is a little less impressive than someone whose team only threw 450 times. This is a great system for evaluating different players on teams that have very different passing offenses. To add to that, I added percentage of team passing touchdowns. Basically what I want is a stat that shows your participation in your team offense. So it's very percentage of team offense based. When we look at these numbers, it's, it's a it's a great tool for countering, you know, the differences between teams and their passing offenses when you're looking, trying to look strictly at a receiver. For example, if you look at Heinz Ward, his overall stats are not impressive. But if you look at MVR, my, my little formula here, and you go back to the years where Heinz Ward was at his best, and, and the Steelers at that time, aren't throwing the ball much. They're throwing the ball the least amount of any team in the NFL. And Heinz Ward is in his prime. But when you look at his production as a percentage of team passing offense, Heinz Ward was one of the top three receivers of that era. When you look at percentage of team passing touchdowns, he goes up even higher, especially the early years of Ben Roethlisberger's uh, play, the end of Tommy Maddox's year, the first couple of years of Ben Roethlisberger. 
he's one of the top and in and in some instances is the top receiver in the NFL by percentage of team passing offense. So that gives you an idea of what this is intended to look at. It is not intended to be a, a you know, an end-all be-all measure of how good a wide receiver is, but it it kind of lets you offset for the offense they're in, which is perfect when you're looking at a Pat Fryermuth and his role and his place in the Steelers offense because the Steelers were not an efficient passing team. Pat Fryermuth's uh MVR ranking is actually pretty low. It's it's 19th among, you know, NFL tight ends that had at least two receptions a game. If you have 34 receptions on the season and you average two receptions a game, that's a list. There's 25 of them. He ranks 19th on that list. But again, this is yards per team attempt. It adjusts to help look at teams that pass more and pass less. It does not adjust for teams that pass a ton and just do so really poorly, which is what the Steelers were. Which is why I also have an MVR2. In this one, I just take the NFL uh, yards per attempt average for the entire league, which was last year was 7.1 yards per attempt. I, div- I divide that by the team passing yards per attempt for the Steelers. That was 5.4 yards per attempt which is bad comparing, you know, it's a 1.7 yards less per pass attempt than the rest of the NFL, than the average NFL team. You get a number there. You multiply the players' yards per team attempt by that to account for basically balance out and say, you know, how much did they benefit from the entire offense they were in? If your quarterback is better, you throw for more yards per attempt than a quarterback who is worse. Ben Roethlisberger in the situation he was in, Threw for a lot less yards per target per attempt than, you know, Patrick Mahomes did. So to offset that, we we bring everyone down to say where would they be if their team average was uh, 7.1 yards per attempt if everyone was average. When you make that adjustment for Pat Fryermith, he moves from 19th to 13th. A very useful tool in that situation is like called the differential, where you just subtract the one from the other to see how much they gained or lost based on how good their team overall offense was. Pat Ryermuth gained the fifth most points in the switch from MBR to MBR2 in the NFL. Meaning his offense really dragged him down. Some of the other ones, Miami, Dolphins, Mike Gusecki gained a lot. Cole Komet from the Chicago Bears gained a lot. Uh, Mark Andrews in Baltimore gains even more. His, he was <laughs> talking about an incredible season. Mark Andrews' season was absolutely phenomenal and ridiculous for a tight end. Uh, but that's off target. Um, Pat Fryermuth is a top half of the NFL tight end if you look at his entire rookie season. Well, there's kind of a problem with doing that, and that is he didn't play as much the first six games. It really took a while for him to get into the rhythm, get into the team, and earn his quarterback's trust. He kind of took off around week seven. He started to get playing more. But even with that, where does he rank among NFL tight ends in MVR2? Uh, you're talking right there with TJ Hawkinson out of Detroit, Rob Gonkowski in Tampa Bay, Dawson Knox in Buffalo. He's ahead of David Njoku in Cleveland, uh, Gerald Everett, Darren Waller, guys like that. He is above them. 
right in the category with Cole Komet, TJ Hawkinson, Rob Gronkowski. Just outside the top 10. I wanted to go farther that and, and look at what he was able to do in the games he played more. So just going the last 11 games of the season, the last 11 games of the season, Pat Fryermuth was picked up. He, he, was, he was doing more production. He was doing better over the course of the season there. When you look at those games and you plug in the MVR for just those games, those 11 games, his MVR jumps to 1.3, from 1.05 to 1.3. And that would move him. If you factor that for the whole season, say he had played at that level, uh, he had Ben Roethlisberger's trust, Eric Ebron wasn't you know, being forced balls, all that stuff early in the season. You get rid of that, he moves from 19th up to 11th in the NFL. If you just count those 11 games. He moves to 11th, and at that point, he's ahead of Rob Gronkowski, TJ Hawkinson, and in the group with, right there with Mike Gesicki and Noah Fant for total overall production. When you then look at MVR2 and say, where would he be if, you know, he played all of that time and the NFL and the Pittsburgh Steelers offense was a, a roughly NFL average offense. Now you're looking at seventh. In the category right there again with Mike Gesicki, Zach Ertz, Players like that. That's where his season ranked once he was involved in the offense more. In that 11-game span, we can go even farther because Pat Firemuth missed a game. He missed the Kansas City game, a game where the Steelers threw a ton. And if you take out the Kansas City game and just count the last 10 games of his rookie season when he actually played, it bumps up again to a 1.5 MBR. A 1.5 MBR is good for just outside the top five. That's Hunter Henry, Zach Ertz, Dalton Schultz in that group. Just below, the only people above him at that point are Kyle Pitts, Dallas Godert, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, and Mark Andrews, the top receiving tight ends in the NFL last year. That's a pretty impressive group to be right there with. If you go by MVR2 over those 10 games, he moves into the top five. George Kittle drops out. George Kittle, his offense, the San Francisco offense was incredibly efficient. Uh, so he gets dinged for that. Pat Fryermuth gets a major boost for the inefficiency of his offense during those 10 games. Because that's also when, you got to remember, when Pat Fryermuth is putting up the his best production, is when Ben Roethlisberger is playing worse, right? He was much better earlier in the season as the season went on. Ben Roethlisberger got worse. The offensive line got worse after, you know, the Detroit game when when uh, Kevin Dotson was injured. And then you get into the later games where he's really just not playing well. Pat Fryermuth is doing his best then. That's where he's most involved in the offense. And he gains by far in those 10 games his differential between MVR two and MBR is by far the largest of any tight end in the NFL last season. It's bigger than anybody's. And his MBR two is a 1.79, which is nearly pro bowl level. Normally when I look at these, you can look and say uh, a one is a solid role player for wide receivers. A one is a solid role player. A two is a starter. A three is a pro bowler. 
four is like ridiculous. That's Hall of Fame pace is a four. Tight ends, you have to drop that a solid number because tight ends don't get nearly the involvement, nearly the yards per target, all that stuff that receivers do because it's a different position. For tight ends, a one is a solid starter. There were 20 players that posted an MVR of one or higher in the NFL last year. Those are your solid starting tight ends. 1.5 is really good. 2.0 is like Pro Bowl, top of the league type of rankings. Three is ridiculous. Three is almost unheard of. Last year, Mark Andrews was a 2.66 with his ridiculous season for a tight end. Uh, Dallas Goddard, Kyle Pitts, Travis Kelsey, right there just under two. George Kittle posted a two. If you're posting a 1.5, you're one of the better starters in the NFL. One of the best tight ends, better tight ends in the NFL. You're not the elite tier, but you're the tier right under that. As a receiver, this is only checking as a receiver. Pat Fryermuth has the potential to be in that group. Just looking at his production versus what his team was able to do as a rookie. If he is a better player in his second year, and the Matt Canada offense uses tight ends better, and the quarterback he has throws to the tight ends more than Ben Roethlisberger, who historically throughout his career didn't use tight ends as much. We're looking at Pat Fryermuth potentially being one of the top five tight ends in the NFL next year. I really think he could be. And I don't think that's a, you know, oh, if everything goes absolutely perfect, Pat Fryermuth. No, I I think that's the natural progression of Pat Fryermuth. If this offense works and it uses him well, Pat Fryermuth should be in the top five or at least in the group just outside fighting to be in the top five, right? You know, like you know, one of the bubble teams, bubble players for the top five. Right in that area. I think he's easily top 10 next year. Spent the entire first half of this show talking about Pat Fryermuth and, and why statistically I think it, uh, on film, I think he's even, shows even better than he does in statistics. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to cover the depth of the position and really get into why I think this position as a group, not just Pat Fryermuth, but the position as a group, could be the strength of the Pittsburgh Steelers' offense, the engine that drives the offense in 2022. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Welcome back, Steeler fans. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. You're listening to The Cutting Room Floor. The Cutting Room Floor is brought to you, as always, by the Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts and BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. 
Make sure you're staying with us, listening to all of our podcasts, or as many as you can get. There's a ton of them every week. I believe we have three every weekday. We have multiples on the weekend. I just got to participate in a Sunday question and answer. I talked last week about how I hadn't been on. I needed to get back on, and and they put me on Sunday. So uh, if you find that one, we talked about a lot of topics. It's a lot of fun because we get to interact with people in the live chat, answer their questions. I got to be on with Big Bro Scro. Rich Schofield. That was a lot of fun. We had a great time talking with all the people in the live chat. So make sure you're checking out the live shows. You're checking out the podcasting. Any You're going to the website, reading the articles. We're going to keep you up to date on all the things happening this time of season. When it, when it And even though this is like the most quiet, the deadest time of the football season, we got a lot of good content for you still. Looking at this roster, looking at things from last year, looking at what this team could be doing and the team we could have in 2022. So stick with us. We'll be keeping you up to date on all your news, as well as all of our thoughts, opinions, analysis, film rooms, breakdowns, everything. Stick with us behind the Steel Curtain, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. In the first half of this show, we talked about Pat Fryermuth. And why I think he could be a top five tight end as a receiver. That's purely as a receiver. Not counting his blocking. But be one of the top five most dangerous receiving tight ends in the NFL in 2022. Behind him on the depth chart, things are very interesting. And in a way where I think the Steelers' tight end position could be a major strength, if not the major strength, of the Pittsburgh Steelers' offense in 2022. The number two tight end on this team is Zach Gentry. Zach Gentry is six foot eight. Uh, I, I have to say, he was drafted in 2019 in the fifth round. Um, <laughs> I, I am. I was born in, in Adrian, Michigan. I, I'm still a University of Michigan fan. When the Steelers drafted Zach Gentry in the fifth round of the 2019 NFL draft. I facepalmed a bit. I was like, what are you doing, Pittsburgh Steelers? Why would you draft this guy? He wasn't good. He was a receiving tight end. He couldn't block. He was a former quarterback. In, he was a quarterback in high school. He couldn't block as a tight end. He, he could catch a ball, but he couldn't run routes. I mean, his job in college was to be super, super tall right? Tall enough that he could just reach over defenders and catch the ball. That's that's how he got catches in college. Head height or a little higher a lot of times, or, or other times teams just left him alone. My vision of him in the NFL was going to be a player just tripping over his own feet. And then he was going to be out of the NFL. Within like a year or two, he wasn't even going to last his rookie contract. That was my prediction for Zach Gentry back then in my head. Uh, I know Andrew Wilbar, who's one of our, our draft analyzers on the on the website, he is also a University of Michigan fan. He he had a very similar reaction to mine. Much more much stronger. He 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 gives you much better hot takes than I do. Uh he was he was like Zach Gentry's an absolute bomb. He's terrible. Well, last year he he wasn't he wasn't bad. At all. He'd gone from his first season being kind of just a space filler. Uh, In 2020, he only was, he only played in two games in the 2020 season. Two games. He played a total of 20 snaps 
all season. In his first two seasons, he had played 69 total snaps, 13 on special teams. That's not... It's not a nice amount of, of, of time on the field. That There's no production there. There's nothing. He just got some snaps. He had one catch for four yards in his first two seasons in the NFL. 69 snaps, one catch, four yards. He goes into the 2021 season. He plays in every game. He starts 12 games. He started more games than Pat Fryermoose did last season. Zach Gentry was on the field for the first offensive snap three more times than Pat Fryermuth was. He played in 473 snaps. That's 40% of the time when the Steelers were on offense. 40% Zach Gentry was on the field. 40%. That's not small at all. That's not backup running back numbers. That's an incredible amount of the time. For a number two tight end. The reason he played those snaps was because Zach Gentry has become a phenomenal blocker. And not only was he a phenomenal blocker, he was one of the Steelers' most efficient targets last season. He was only targeted 25 times, but he caught 19 of them. That's 76% catch rate. That's good. Only 8.8 yards per reception, but because of his high catch rate, 6.7 yards per target on a team that threw for a little over 5 per attempt. Zach Gentry did not catch a touchdown, still doesn't have one in his career, but he became a player that was able to be involved in the offense a lot, especially for his blocking. Uh, If you followed a vertex that Dave and I did on Zach Gentry, We had a little film in there showing how Zach Gentry is a player that is used in this offense by Matt Canada, especially playing off of Zach Gentry's blocking. Canada will have him start even a passing play. There are passing plays where he starts off as a blocker. And then my my favorite one is against Jadavion Clowney. Clowney does a a a little swim move on him, gets past him, and starts to chase down the quarterback. And Ben Roethlisberger just lost the ball over Clowney's head. Not easy to do. Obviously, he's a ridiculous athlete and he's super tall. And Zach Gentry's on the other side catching the ball. He was blocking. But as soon as he started to get beat, he just turned, stepped backwards, and was wide open. The defense wasn't worrying about covering him on a play where he was blocking. Jadavion Clowney on the edge. And because of that, Steelers got, I think that play went for 18 yards, right? He had a number of those plays. Uh, He had a couple plays where he leaked out late and caught the ball. He had other plays where he just ran a route and the other team just didn't even bother covering him. And he caught the ball. He's reliable enough. He will catch the ball. If he's open, he's going to catch the ball. Is he going to, you know, go up like Randy Moss and, and make contested catches and beat people and do all kinds of crazy stuff, do Pat Fryermuth catches? No, he's not that guy. But he is a heck of a blocker. Heck of a blocker. And a better receiver as a blocking tight end than we've had in a while. People compare him to Matt Spath. I would say that Gentry is a better offensive weapon than Matt Spath was. 
while being pretty close to Matt Spath level in blocking, if not equal to him. The last player we've had that could block like Zach Gentry and be a good receiver was Heath Miller. Heath Miller, obviously, way above Zach Gentry's level. I in no way think Zach Gentry could be a Heath Miller. Not that dude. But if you want someone who blocks as well as Zach Gentry and was a better receiver, that's the only guy I have to give you. That's the only name. That's how good of a blocker Zach Gentry is while also being a player that can produce in the offense. With Matt Canada being... He was the offensive coordinator last year, uh, but with Matt Canada no longer having Ben Roethlisberger, no longer having a quarterback who is like, hey, look, just let me do my thing, right? Let me let me do my thing, and, and you can you can do your offense, you know, some other time. That happened a lot last year. Matt Canada's offense is going to be much more involved this year, and it is going to be the offense, not one of the offenses the Steelers run. It's going to be the offense. And Zach Gentry has a role in that offense that is not small. And Matt Canada's offense, Zach Gentry, is a major player. And Ben Roethlisberger's offense, not not, not at all. Zach, there's not really a spot for Zach Gentry outside of a Matt Spath role in Ben Roethlisberger's offense. And Matt Canada's offense He has a much bigger role. He came into camp. They say he's moving better. He looks stronger, bigger. He's moving faster and quicker. Zach Gentry could be a big part of the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. Not on the Pat Firemuth level, but you could see him get more than half the snaps on offense this year. Up that even more. Maybe 60%. I don't know where they could go with it. We have all this depth at wide receiver. You know, but we've got two tight ends that are really hard for teams to deal with, especially in Matt Canada's offense. Behind Zach Gentry, we have Steelers' 2022 sixth-round pick, someone who showed up really nicely in many camps and practices so far. That's Connor Hayward. Connor Hayward brings more of a fullback body, He is not a tight end. He's not 6'8", 260, 70 pounds. He's not Zach Gentry. He's not Pat Fryermuth. He's built more like a fullback, more like a running back. He's got some quickness to him. He can run routes decently, and he's got phenomenal hands. He is developing as a blocker, but you could say the same thing for Pat Fryermuth last year. People did not have high expectations of his level of polish as a blocker. He had shown he was a willing blocker. But people didn't know how good of a blocker he was going to be. He turned out to be a really good blocker for a receiving tight end. If Connor Hayward can make that kind of improvement from his last year of college to the start of his NFL career in blocking and be a solid blocker, even if he doesn't have impact early on in the season, he could have impact later on in the season. And this is this is the role I think he could play. Zach Gentry is an inline tight end. He is not as good as an H-back. He's just not that guy. He is best on the line, blocking people, running routes from there, doing his damage from right there on the line, tight end. And that's a key position. 
That's a key position. It's not as friendly for receiving. It's not as friendly for the other stuff. So having someone who just can take that role and be like, I can take this role and be an absolute stud at it, that's fantastic. Last year, when the Steelers needed a guy to be an H-back, come across the formation and block a defensive end, that guy was Pat Fryermuth. It was not Zach Gentry. They used Pat Fryermuth in that role. In 2022, when they want to do that, Connor Hayward can be an option because that is where he is at his best. In college, that was his best uses, which was as that H-back, moving him in motion, making him a blocker with a threat to run the ball. You know, he can break some tackles. He can run a little bit. And his hands as a receiver. And he ran good routes out of that. A lot of times wide receivers will be that motion man. And they get kind of lost with what they're doing on the other side. Connor Hayward was really good at that role. Connor Hayward could be that player and a real strength as that player. And at that point, we're talking three tight ends. You could average two tight ends per snap, rotate them in, and have three different unique weapons that all brought something to the team that was hard that's hard to defend. The challenge. For the guys behind Pat Fryermuth, Pat Fryermuth has already showed he can line up in line. He can be an H-back. He can move out to the slot. He can be a just run around and catch the ball guy. He can be a blocker. He can block on the move. He can do everything. Pat Fryermuth has shown already that he can do anything you ask him to do at the tight end and H-back position. Zach Gentry showed he's a great blocker last year. He showed he can also be somewhat of a receiver. If he can improve his versatility and be an actual threat as a receiver, right? Keep that blocking. Maybe add some ability to go in motion to his game. That's going to make this position group better. If Connor Hayward can come in and offer actual threat, you know, come in and be a player who can line up as a fullback, line up as an H-back, line up as a tight end, go out in the slot and do all of those positions, different things, and bring something to that position in every situation. This tight end group, can be something that other NFL teams really can't deal with, really aren't equipped to stop. And that's why I think this this unit can be not just a strength for the Steelers' offense, but the strength, the engine that drives the train on the Steelers' offense. Obviously, the offensive line will, will never stop being the most critical element in any offense. My opinion, number one. Outside of the offensive line, though, when you're looking at skill positions, you're looking at running backs, quarterbacks, tight ends, wide receivers, I think the tight ends actually have a chance to be more important than Najee Harris at running back and whoever the Steelers quarterback is. I think the tight end group, with Matt Canada in charge of this team, has a chance to be the X factor, the dynamic factor that just other teams can't deal with. I think this team, they have that chance. And if that happens, the offensive line comes together enough and the tight ends really are driving the engine of this offense, the Steelers are going to have a lot of success. Because if your tight ends are leading receivers, that puts so much pressure on the defense. If you have to have, if you can't cover Pat Firemuth with a linebacker and you have to cover Zach Gentry with a more athletic coverage-based linebacker, you have to watch out for him. 
that sets up Najee Harris for so much success. You can go two tight ends, and if the other team goes with a heavier package to face off against your two tight end set, you throw the ball on them. Can you cover Najee Harris, Pat Fryermuth, and Zach Gentry with guys who can block them and defend them in the run game? That's really hard to do. It's going to be really hard for any team to do, and I think that could very well be the strength of the Pittsburgh Steelers offense in 2022. That's going to be the end of our show for today. I want to thank you for listening. Thank you for joining me, having this discussion, this time with me. Make sure you're staying checked in with all of the Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts. Make sure you're clicking over to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Again, thank you for tuning in. As always, have a great week. And let's go Steelers.